Welcome to What's Up, Wellness from the Third Floor. This podcast is provided by the Wellness and Health Action Team, also known as WET, from Portland State University's Center for Student Health and Counseling, or SHAC. We're located in the Health Promotion Suite on the third floor of the University Center building on campus. Our purpose with this podcast is to discuss a variety of health-related topics in a way that will be accessible for a non-traditional campus. My name is Bella, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. My name is Josh, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs. And my name is Quinn. My pronouns are he, him, his. We're all members of the Wellness and Health Action Team, and we'll be your hosts for this podcast. Let's get into it. Hello. Before we dive into this episode, we just wanted our listeners to know that we are discussing self-intimacy and how it looks different for everyone depending on their life experiences. And this also means that we will be acknowledging topics such as sexual trauma, fat phobia, body dysmorphia, and gender dysphoria, and how those may shape someone's journey with self-intimacy and masturbation. For those who are unfamiliar, the American Psychological Association defines body dysmorphia as an extreme disparagement of some aspect of appearance that is not supported by the objective evidence. Gender dysphoria is defined as distress arising from a sense of mismatch or incongruence that one may have about one's experienced gender versus one's assigned gender. We have created the content of our episode to try and explore the concept of self-intimacy in a safe way for people, including those who have or are struggling with the topics that we just described. But we encourage you to check in with yourself throughout the episode, and the bulk of our content will be about how to enhance the bond that you have with yourself and your body through self-intimacy and masturbation. In this episode, I'll start off by introducing the topic of self-intimacy and masturbation, and then we'll have a conversation with Logan, one of our other peer educators, and we'll close out with sharing some resources that might be helpful for you. Without further ado, let's get into it. The biological evolutionary need for love, care, comfort, and stability is absolutely valid. It is a part of all of our stories, and I encourage you not to try to fight this need because we all have it in one form or another. What can sometimes get in the unhealthy realm is the way we go about trying to get those needs met. We can sometimes get into patterns of falling in love with the idea of a person, seeing only their strengths and none of their flaws, or forming unhealthy attachment to people or ideas. If you are in the process of trying to distance yourself and your habits from this unhealthy place, or even if you're not, a really good place to start when trying to get that comfort need met is to figure out how to have intimacy with yourself. Yes, this does include sexual intimacy, but for all my asexual folks out there, it doesn't have to. It can be about taking yourself on a date or treating yourself as you would a loved one or a romantic partner. Today, we are going to talk mostly about masturbation, but if this is not something you're comfortable with yet, I still encourage you to listen and connect with any lessons about intimacy that you can walk away with. Masturbation and intimacy with yourself offers you a chance to practice self-compassion and loving kindness and work on meeting that biological need for love, care, comfort, stability, and sex in a way that is safe and with someone that hopefully you can trust yourself. Building that trust and sense of safety with yourself is absolutely crucial and is something that you need in your life toolbox regardless of your sexual needs. Being able to form a bond with yourself where you know you can rely on things that you do for yourself is a great source of comfort and learning to respect yourself as a human who is trying their best. For people who have had negative sexual experiences or experiences involving sex that were unsafe or traumatic, slowly easing your way into masturbation can be a way to take power back, 
to get your needs met in a way that feels safe and comfortable for you and offers you a chance to write your own story. This requires offering yourself the most gentle care and self-compassion. Exploring your own sexuality with masturbation and self-intimacy can also help you learn about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, what really gets you going, where your boundaries are. Really taking the time to get to know these things, to get to know yourself, can be really fun. And I hope you can go into it with curiosity, letting go of judgment, and appreciation for all of the beautiful processes that your body holds. Once you know more about yourself and your sexuality, hopefully you can learn how to communicate that with a potential partner or partners. A lot of people don't communicate what they need or what is pleasure, pleasurable or enjoyable to them, often because they don't even know what that is or they don't feel safe or comfortable in communicating that. Feel free to look back at our Healthy Relationships episode to learn more about that kind of communication. Having these conversations like, hey, guess what I discovered the other day, can be a really great way to form bonds with your partner or partners, express your boundaries, likes and dislikes, and advocate for your own pleasure. Especially for people assigned female at birth or people who identify as women, sexual needs for these populations have historically been deeply undervalued, disrespected, and ignored. Learning how to advocate for yourself in a relationship is so empowering, and this feeling can bleed into other aspects of your life as well. The empowerment coming from intimacy with yourself is absolutely applicable to most areas of your life, and I hope that you explore this and discover this in fascinating ways. Masturbation is not wrong. It is not unhealthy, and there's really not many downsides. So unless it's seriously impeding on your ability to function as a human, there's not really a limit for doing it too much. It can be done by yourself. This is usually the most common. It can be done with another person present. Mutual masturbation is a great way to fulfill your own needs while connecting with a partner. And this can also be a really great way to practice feeling safe and comfortable around someone if you're not yet ready to have that physical touch from another person be part of your interaction. Masturbation can be done with the hands, with toys. It can be done as a part of sex work. But most of all, it can be fun. Hopefully this is something that is enjoyable for you and helps you activate your own pleasure in ways that perhaps other people haven't helped you get to before. Masturbation can even help you balance your mood sometimes and release stress. An unexpected side effect that some people experience is the spiritual connection with humanity that comes from an orgasm or pleasure in general. I also want to emphasize that the point of intimacy with yourself or masturbation is not to achieve orgasm, but to explore your own pleasure and enjoy the journey. Many people are simply unable to reach orgasm, and that is completely normal no matter what body you are born into. All right, let's take a breath. If you are feeling overwhelmed by the thought of this and masturbation is something that you really haven't explored before, I would encourage you to start very slowly if this is in fact something that you want to pursue. You can start with leaving your clothes on. Some people watch or read pornography, some people do not. Whatever feels comfortable for you is the point. Once you become comfortable with this, or if you already are, I think it's time we start normalizing conversations about masturbation. Some people would never dare to put their thoughts about this out on a podcast that is on the internet forever, but masturbation is a very normal part of life, a human instinct that a lot of people have, not all, and it comes with a lot of shame for people who are not used to having this conversation. A lot of people had a, 
have a ton of shame and insecurities involving sex and sexuality. So exploring masturbation, self-intimacy, and opening up this conversation can be a really great way to disrupt some of that shame and learn to have some fondness for your body, your sexuality, and yourself. For those that experience physical body gender dysphoria, the process of getting our physical forms to align with what they always should have been, have it can be a long and uncomfortable one. Finding pleasure in our bodies can be a very complex and emotional experience. However, there can be much enjoyment and joy found in our bodies along the way. Sometimes it just takes a while to figure out and knowing that it's okay if it's not always okay and, and it's absolutely fine to go whatever pace your journey is calling for. So for those managing dysphoria or dysmorphia, here are some tips that may be useful to you. And as with all things in the podcast, take away from this what makes sense for you and feel free to leave the rest. The words we use are powerful. It can have huge impacts on how we perceive ourselves and the world. Try playing with the words you use to describe yourself and the parts you have. Do gender neutral or more gendered words make you feel more comfortable? Is it easier to just use anatomical phrases to describe parts? Does mixing the two together feel best? If words that make you feel comfortable change over time, that's absolutely fine as well. Describe your experience and form with the words that honor you best. Sometimes covering up parts that cause dysphoria can help. As mentioned before, keeping clothing such as underwear on could be a great tool or using a blanket to hide from view parts that may be causing dysphoria. Out of sight, out of mind can sometimes be all that it takes to in order for someone to be able to be free to enjoy the exploration. Prosthetics can also be an amazing tool both for self-exploration but also to relieve dysphoria day to day. And while some can be very expensive, there are a lot of wonderful crafty queers out there who have created tutorials on how you can make your own variations of prosthetics at home. There are also wonderful organizations out there that have funds available for trans folks who are seeking prosthetics or other transition related expenses in a lot of situations, no questions asked. And lastly, if you're someone who uses media to get you in the mood, let yourself explore by associating with or vicariously fantasizing through the participants or characters that are in it. While this has the potential of becoming unhealthy by only living through others, in moderation, it can be an incredibly helpful tool for exploring yourself, your identity, and what makes you feel good. In general, masturbation can, can be a great way of exploring the f- variety of fantasies that you might have in a healthy way. For example, for people who aren't yet comfortable expressing their sexuality in the way they like, maybe they're not comfortable expressing their queerness yet, or they're in a space where they don't have access to people that could help them reach their sexual fantasies, exploring this sexuality with yourself can be a way to connect to those fantasies or desires in a way that is safe. Furthermore, if you're in a long distance relationship or you can't see your partner or partners because of COVID or any other reason, masturbation or maybe even mutual masturbation over video chat can be a way to fulfill your needs and connect with someone. Going back to connecting with your body. A lot of us have a long way to go when it comes to appreciating our body for what it is and not wanting to change it, especially to please others. Having sex and intimacy with yourself can be a way to introduce the idea of loving your body for what it is. Learning to love and appreciate your quote-unquote flaws in the same way that you would a partner can feel so liberating. I sincerely hope that each and every one of you listening is able to explore this journey of intimacy with yourself however you wish to do so, and that you have a magnificent Valentine's Day. And even if you plan to be intimate with another person for this holiday, 
Make time to be intimate with yourself. Everyone's journey is different, and that is the most beautiful part. All right, so now we're going to transition to a conversation with Logan, one of our other Webster's, our peer educators. Hello, Logan. Hello, Bella. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing pretty good. Good. Well, um, I'm really excited to talk to you about this topic um, and get into it. So I am as um, well. Yeah, it's it's a fun one for sure. <laughs> um, I guess I wanted to start off talking about how people's backgrounds or identities might influence their position in this journey of self-intimacy and masturbation. And that that might include like cultural or social identities or how they grew up or you know where they're from and how that kind of affects you know how comfortable they are with this topic and and where they might be in this journey yeah and i even think you know touching back in the content warning or the disclaimer that was at the top of the episode um you know, any experiences that people have with their body, their minds, um, how other people have treated their body, mind, um, is going to impact what self-intimacy looks like for them. Um, I think that, you know, we all shape ourselves based on how the external world, you know, we kind of shape our internal selves, how the external world shapes us. Um, so I think it's important to emphasize that everyone's going to be starting at a different point in the journey um, of self-intimacy, especially when it comes to masturbation as a topic within self-intimacy. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, um, you touched on saying like people's backgrounds regarding culture um, or social influences. I think that religion has a pretty large impact on how people, where they start in their knowledge or their willingness to approach self-intimacy. Yeah, um, yeah, and this can um, really come in the form of people telling you what is wrong and what is right, what is moral and what's not, what's sinful, and, and this can definitely be a heavy theme in religion, but it also can be a theme in um, non-religious households or the way you grew up or culture, whatever it is. And, you know, having those things be ingrained at us from, from an early age about what's wrong and what's right, it can be really challenging to unlearn some of that and like dig deep and kind of expose those things in ourselves that we believe that we might not actually agree with, but have just been told to us for so long, right? So it's it's an interesting process. And if you still discover that like, yeah, no, this is not right for me. This is not something that I'm comfortable with. That is fine too. Like we are not trying to convince you um, to believe something that you don't believe. So really just hold forgiveness for yourself and wherever you're at and embrace the you know evolution of this journey for yourself and for people around you too because even if you're starting to get more comfortable with things people around you your friends family still might not be um and to hold space for that as well absolutely i really like that you said hold space for like where others are at in their journey as well um, I think that one of the most informative things um, for a person can be exposing themselves to other people's um, perspectives, um, not necessarily in judgment, but perspectives and, you know, um, how they're approaching their own journey um, with how they choose to be intimate with themselves. And I think that it's the same reason why, you know, some people have an easier time learning a lesson through the lens of another person through, I don't know, you know, a comic book or something. Um, I think that hearing other people's experiences can broaden our own perspectives of, oh, maybe if I try that, that will be something good for me. And, you know, 
like you were saying, if they discover like, hey, that's not for me, you just made progress in your own journey, you know? Um, I think that that's really powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely been a thing for me in my life of having this conversation be super open with uh, myself and my close friends. Like we talk about this all the time and it's totally normal. Like, oh, hey, I'm just going to go do that. Like, I'm, you know, okay, go masturbate and have a good night, you know? And that makes it so much more comfy and normalized and really can help you shed all of those layers of shame that are involved with this and that are placed more on some people than others. Like, you know, women have definitely not been, oh my gosh, my cat is crying. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Your cat's saying like, yes, please speak about those women. He's like, queen, go off. Um, I forgot what I was saying, but yeah. (laughs) Well, I think, I think what you were starting to touch on, right, is how, um, something that we brought up at the very beginning of starting to answer this question, there are certain experiences of identity that are going to change that starting platform, right? So, you know, for me, I was raised in a Christian household, my grandfather is a pastor. Um, like talking about masturbation is not a thing. The only context in which you spoke about masturbation was it's wrong or you made a joke about like middle school boys. Like it was one or the other in my household, right? Um, so I think that, you know, coming from that lens, um, it's been a long journey for me, especially um like I am a queer person. So, you know, combining those two things of like, oh no, there's so much shame in that. And then in the first place, there's shame in being queer. There's a couple of barricades that I had to get through um, to even start knowing myself in that manner through masturbation. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a double-edged sword to that too, because once you are able to break through those extra layers of barriers, it is so empowering. It feels so good to take control of your own body and your own sexuality and really like reclaim that for yourself. Um, and it's, it's true that when you have those extra layers that you have to break through, it just feels that much better because um, you're really doing it for yourself and you're, it feels like an act of resistance and resilience um, to to be yourself and to be fully in your queerness and in your sexuality and um, in your womanhood, if that's for you, or, or really like connecting with your gender. And, you know, that can be really amazing. So yeah, there's, there's shame and, and guilt and all of those taboos to break through, but the other side is really lovely. So honestly, what I'm hearing from both of us is that one of the strongest um, aspects of self-intimacy is discovering empowerment and discovering um, or really honing in on identities that you hold strongly within yourself, Um, you know, which is... (laughs) it's really cool. You're going to find different areas that you didn't know you had within you before, Um, (laughs) whether that be physically or mentally, you know? Yes, I was about to say, that could be in your physical self or in your, you know, sexual being and discovering different um, parts of yourself. Like uh, one of my closest friends, she has an alter ego that is like her, her sexual you know side that her new personality that comes out and it's really amazing to like that's beautiful honestly let that really shine and and say f you to all of the things that we've been told that sexuality is or that gender is or that genitals are and just create our own journeys for ourselves and so I guess um the next question would be how would someone go about starting that journey if they're like oh my gosh that sounds that sounds amazing i'd like to try that (laughs) um how do you even go about getting started and 
and hold forgive like lots of forgiveness and space for yourself to go at your own pace you know it it's got to depend on the person right um i think for some people it could literally just be like straight to touching yourself it could just be that as a journey to explore um for other people i think it's going to be about um researching or you know like looking up people who hold certain identities and see like what's out there regarding how they got started on their journey of being themselves um yeah there's so many different ways there's books out there there's websites i cannot recommend them.us as a url enough i've found as a you know like as a queer person that that site has really um, shown me a lot of different resources and a lot of people to look up and exposed me to literature, um, professions. Yeah, there's so many different ways to explore, I think. And, um, you know, like what you were saying with your friend, being willing to explore the alter egos or the identities that exist within you that you didn't know you had before and feeling okay with that it might take time to start feeling okay with that um so i guess we should talk about how do you start feeling okay with that too right um and you mentioned in research as well if you are a person who experiences gender dysphoria or body dysmorphia or any feelings of uncomfortiness with your body just hold so much self-compassion for yourself in in this journey and don't push it too far you know just really stay within your level of of comfort and um do things at your own pace and and don't try not to put yourself down for maybe not feeling at the same like level or whatever that someone else is like just do whatever feels right for you and you can explore in that research how people who are in the same situation as you have dealt with that and how they've navigated the journey so you can kind of learn from others and and feel empowered in yourself through that and in terms of starting the journey um i mentioned this in my little monologue piece but um you know, if, even if you're just starting with clothes on, you could start by just hugging yourself. You could start by offering yourself, you know, a warm hand on the face as a form of self-intimacy. Um, you know, there's so many ways to be. You can start really... with a bath. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, a bath is a beautiful <laughs> to connect with your body and even have like candles and and play with different colors and clothes and, you know, figuring out what feels right. Yeah, maybe you can try like some lingerie or different clothes that make you feel sexy and connect with your sexuality. And the point being here is that it's not for anyone else. It's solely for you. And that is beautiful because you deserve it. Yeah, and I think, you know, even if you do have sexual partners right um we should talk about how do i communicate to my sexual partner that i'm having my time to myself um or like if you are already communicating that maybe how do you communicate hey i discovered this new thing that i liked could we try it out the next time that we have sex or something along those lines um and i think discussing you know, I think that having that time to be self-intimate and discovering new things about yourself will not only strengthen communication with yourself, but it will embolden you to communicate to others that you have sex with. This is something that I enjoy. Can we incorporate it? Um, I don't know if you'd use that exact phrasing, but that is the sentiment that you would <laughs> communicate, right? Yes. And yes. And you could also discover possibly things that are only for you and that are just comfy for you. Like maybe- True, always have things that are just yes. for you. Mm -hmm. If there's spots that you discover that are like really enjoyable, but you're not maybe comfortable with someone else being a part of, that's beautiful too and embrace that and like hold that time as sacred 
um, in your connection with yourself. Um, but you also might discover things that are like, whoa, this could be really cool with another person. Um, so having that both and, um, and, and making sure you feel comfortable communicating that um, and figuring out what that is going to look like for you, what that timing looks like. You know, it might not be the next day that you're like, oh, let's try this thing. Like you still might want to spend some time discovering stuff before you're ready to um, engage with it with another person. So we keep using the words like discover and explore, and it's pulling me back to your piece, Bella. Um, you have a portion within your, you know, narrative that where you discuss curiosity um, and how that should kind of be at the forefront or one of the things at the forefront of how to explore yourself. Um, and I think that curiosity can start with a lot of the suggestions that you had try out different clothes, try out different colors, like mood lighting. Um, do you like it if you start with a bath? Um, and, you know, I think that with that curiosity and that experimentation, a lot of people presume like, oh, I'm masturbating, therefore my goal is orgasm. Like that is the end goal of masturbation. Actually, there's other ways to derive joy and comfort and feelings of goodness without actually needing to achieve orgasm. And that still absolutely counts as masturbation. I feel like there's this culture of dismissing the enjoyment that you have along the journey, if you will. And then once you arrive at the destination, you're like, great, did that, I'm out of here. Um, and I don't think that that should be discounted in any way, shape or form. Yes, absolutely. And even if you are like moving towards achieving orgasm, spending your time to get there is going to be much more enjoyable than just being like, oh God, why isn't it happening already? Like you just have to take it slow and enjoy the ride. And you know, the destination, sure, it's great. And but we have to also normalize that. For some people, that's just not possible. And that's just not something that is gonna happen. Um, or even if it does, it doesn't happen every time. And if you're like really stressed out, it might be hard to achieve orgasm. You know, there's so many factors Absolutely. that go into it. So um, try to release that judgment and to bring a psychological perspective, talking about curiosity, um, it's really hard for your brain to be in curiosity and learning mode and in judgment mode. So if you're able to just focus on the exploration and the, the joyful journey of finding new things and, and saying, oh, that feels good. Oh, no, that's not for me. Okay, I'll go in this direction. Um, those kinds of things. And if you stay in that mode, you can kind of let go of the judgment and the self-doubt and all of that, that might come with the shame piece of it. So we've been talking a lot about where to start in this journey. Um, and I feel like curiosity is a good topic to switch on into this topic of, you know, for someone who's pretty comfortable with themselves, with masturbation, with self-intimacy, but they're feeling bored or they're feeling, you know, like this doesn't hit the same as it used to. How can we you know, go about changing that and exploring that. Um, and how does somebody revitalize their curiosity and what feels good for them? Yeah, that's a good question. And this is going to apply to everything involving this topic. It really just depends on the person and it's going to look different for everyone. Um, I guess I would say like, if you are finding yourself in a routine that you keep going back to doing the same thing. Maybe it involves a toy and you're starting to feel reliant on that um, thing. You could try to switch that up and, and find something else that might work or try to not use a toy. Um, if you are struggling with um, feeling excited and feeling interested in things, you could look at different um, different porn sites that you might enjoy 
or or try a different medium like maybe you watch videos and maybe you could try like reading something reading a story or something or listening to um like a podcast or an audiobook or something like that um to try to just switch it up a little bit but again it's gonna be whatever is right for you and also figuring out like what are the contexts of what's going on in your life that's affecting the way that you're feeling, right? If you're feeling like stuck in a rut with this, maybe it could be a symptom of feeling stuck in a rut in general in your life. And it might not just be about um, masturbation, right? So try to take all those things into consideration of what your routine is looking like, but also understanding how the activity fits into the context of your life. It also could be in the context of how your love life is going. If you're having a lot of trouble in relationships, um, maybe you're dating, maybe you're not, and that could be affecting your, you know, sexuality and your sex drive and all of that too. Yeah. And I think, you know, another aspect about this is you mentioned like becoming reliant on a toy, something like that. You can get bored of the things that you're doing Um, And that's okay. That doesn't necessarily apply to you. Um, I want to reiterate this. You are not broken if if you're bored with your routine. Um, So, I mean, I think one of my favorite things um, that one of my friend groups does, um, or like a group of friends that I know does this, is they will hop online to a local, you know, sex toy shop or whatever, Um, and they will like look up a variety of vibrators, dildos, insert whatever, right? Whatever toy that group of friends is looking for. Um, and then because these people that I know are really comfortable with themselves, they've known each other all their life. They want to be open and share things. Um, they'll get the same vibrator and dildo and then they'll compare notes at the end of the month of like, hey, this is how this made me feel. Isn't that interesting? And they kind of have this like running record of like, here's what I like, here's what I don't like and comparing it over time. Um, It's like a sex toy book club. Exactly, exactly. A sex toy book club, which I think is just (laughs) firstly, big kisses to my lovely creative friends. I really appreciate that idea. Um, And I think it's so cool that, you know, my friends have a group where they have that freedom to be themselves and explore with other people while at the same time having their own space to be like, no, this is how I felt with it. Um, So, I mean, thinking creatively of like, this is a fun way to newly become self-intimate, right? Yeah, and if you are using a toy or a vibrator, whatever it is, um, a lot of them come with different settings. And sometimes it's easy if you're someone who achieves achieves orgasm with a certain setting, you might be you might be compelled to just go to that setting and just like, okay, let's just do this. But if you're wanting to switch things up, you could try different settings and and see if you can discover some new things and. Um, try to build up things more rather than just going straight to, okay, I need to take care of this and, and, you know, get off or whatever it is, you know. And then I found, while I was doing some research for this episode, um, I found like a list of the small things that you can do to see if like, you know, just your environmental cues Um, and changing them up can make you feel better. So there were suggestions to like change the time of day that you try new things, Um, change the lighting in your room, which I feel that Bella touched on a couple times already, Um, changing the surface that you're exploring on. So is it a hard surface? Is it a fuzzy blanket? Is it an itchy blanket if that's your thing, right? Like changing all these feelings and sensations around you um, could be a difference and your experience. Yeah, absolutely. And you can, you can even incorporate like a candle or aromatherapy or something. I've also personally like had a piece of chocolate sometimes because chocolate is like a sexy kind of food, you know, and that's just like 
that gets me excited. I don't know about you, but I love chocolate. Um. Also, not to like jump ahead in spoilers for the lovely resources you'll be sharing with us, but a local Portland sex shop called Shebop has these um, chocolates that are specifically made essentially be aphrodisiacs. Um, so that exists out there. If food is your thing and you want it to get you into the mood, there is aphrodisiac chocolate out there. That is so cool. Um, you can also look into incorporating music into your routine or um, whatever you're doing. I, I definitely like to go to my sexy playlist sometimes, and I know a lot of people do. Um, and it's it can be fun too to have a playlist that's just for you like maybe you have one that you use for sexy times with other people but having one that's just for your intimacy can be really fun and if you are one of those people <clears throat> me um who doesn't really like going through the time to create the perfect playlist there are playlists out there on a lot of streaming platforms that are pre-made for you like i think that spotify has something called satin sheets or something along those lines and it's specifically meant to get you kind of in that mood. Um, I know that typically bass heavy songs or songs that have like a deep and consistent rhythm are going to be a good mood for the bedroom. Yeah, it can also help you with your connecting with your sexuality too. Like I personally, I'm a queer person and I like creating playlists that are just women or femmes because it makes me feel empowered and connected to my queerness. And that can be a way to connect with that sexuality as well. And I also will say, um, we at the Wellness and Health Action Team actually do have a Spotify account and we can create a little sexy playlist for you. And we'll try to link that in this episode. And Oof, that um, is such a good idea. I'm excited yeah, for that. I think that'll be fun. Yes. Um, well, I, you know, in our resources section, Bella, you've added a couple of ethical and inclusive porn um, resources. And I was wondering if you could share about those. Yeah, for sure. So um, I will link an article in this episode um, about ethical porn. And this is something that I think is totally undervalued and under talked about, um, but ethical porn, that that's the article will go more into it but it's really about making sure that sex workers and people in the sex industry are compensated fairly are treated well um and and respected for what they do right and making sure that their working conditions are um appropriate and ethical so there's a bunch of different ways um, you can go about accessing that. Often that means paying for porn. And when you think about that, just think about um, respecting sex workers and respecting people who make the content that you're consuming and making sure that they are compensated fairly. Um, most, so most of them you do have to pay for, but not all of them. And there are a bunch of links in that article um, to different sites, and um, some of them are specific to certain populations. There's um, ones that are really great for women, um, for queer people, and seeing like actual queer people um, having queer sex, and you know people of color, and respecting people of all body types and shapes and sizes and colors and um, sexualities. So. If you're interested in that, you can check out the article that we will link below um, and and do your own research and have fun and, and explore in whatever way feels right for you and whatever time feels right for you. You know, day one of this journey, you might not be ready to like go look into a bunch of different porn, right? But, um, you know, do whatever feels right for you and, and respect that. Absolutely. Um, and then I already mentioned Shebop in Portland. Um, there is also a place called Pleasure Chest, and it is a page for queer couples and for gender affirming products. Um, 
which typically those products tend to be a little bit pricier, but um, according to Bella's research, that does seem to be the market standard, which is, yeah, sex toys can be expensive. That is a very real thing. Um, they can be, but that site, Pleasure Chest, which we can link, um, it seemed really cool and there's a lot of fun stuff in there and it can be like a birthday treat that you get for yourself or for a friend or something but I thought it was really cool that they have gender affirming products in there um and if we can like de-gender sex toys and you know all of that that would be really great absolutely um and then I'm particularly excited about this next bullet point Hello. Um, I am a huge fan of the Netflix original Sex Education. Oh, so good. Huge fan. Um, for those of you who do not know of the show which we speak of, um, Sex Education follows a, a high school um, student in England. Yes, in England. Um, and his mom is a sex therapist. Um, and, you know, each episode brings forth a new type of like, hey, this is a thing that happens with masturbation or sex or like the beginning intro journey of it. So especially for those that may be like nervous to start their own journey, but kind of want to hear about like other people's journeys. I think that sex education has a great lens of like, these are the very silly or uncomfortable things that happen along the journey and it's common and people get through it and it's going to be okay. Um, yeah, it's a lovely show. It really is. And it just shows like a variety of um, sexual experiences and you know, masturbation for different types of people. And it talks about asexuality and it's just, it's a good time. It's funny. It's got good drama. Anyway, we're not getting paid to say this, but. No, we are um, not, but big plug. We do love them. Big plug. Yes. You can also get one of those at Shebop. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Yes, that is true. You can get a big plug at Shebop. <laughs> well, wow, I, I really walked into way. that one. You really did. You set it up perfectly. I wasn't planning on being a stand-up comedian today, but <laughs> I think that's a good way oh, to end. <laughs> I agree. I'm probably going to go and drink some tea in embarrassment now, but I'm glad that people hopefully got a laugh out of that. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> To end off this episode, we wanted to leave you with some resources around Portland State. On Portland State's campus, we have the Women's Resource Center and the Queer Resource Center, both of which are currently closed to in-person interactions due to these difficult COVID times. For the Women's Resource Center, they are currently offering a virtual front desk, which gives you ways to contact remote staff um, especially regarding interpersonal violence confidential advocate appointments. Uh, and we want to emphasize that, that is available both at the Women's Resource Center and the Queer Resource Center if this episode may have given you inclination to contact an advocate. There are also plenty of resources at the Women's Resource Center virtual front desk um, and ways to get involved if you are interested in that. Regarding the Queer Resource Center, there are loads of ways to engage with the community still. Um, you can absolutely join the, uh, the queer volunteering opportunities. Uh, there's a resources tab when you look up on the site, um, which offers at the base of the resources tab, a virtual queer library. And we wanted to plug that because it might be hard to see, but there's amazing online articles, poems, books, and videos, um, that's geared towards queer folks. Also happening on campus and coming up is Sex Week. Look out on social media newsletters for information around the Queer Resource Center's annual Sex Week. This year, it's gonna be taking place the last week of February. So February 22nd through February 26th. And actually our team, the what team, will be participating this year alongside the other awesome workshops and events happening throughout the week. Looking forward to see you, seeing you all virtually over Zoom.
Um, and we also recently completed a panel called Sex and Chocolate, and we are going to have a recording of this panel. While we were bummed that we couldn't be in person, uh, I think the value that we'll get from having a recording locked away somewhere will be great. Um, and I believe it will be on the Shack website as soon as possible. Um, and finally, we just wanted to go back over some resources that we mentioned in the episode, uh, such as Pleasure, Pleasure Chest and Shebop, um, which are both queer-friendly, um, gender-affirming, well, store sex shops which own gender-affirming products. Um, and those will also be linked down the description below. And we also discussed a show on Netflix called Sex Education in this episode, and I still highly recommend checking it out. Finally, we will also have our What Spotify Sexy Times playlist linked below. If there's anything you hear about lacking in the description, please feel free to email us at what at pdx.edu. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the What's Up podcast. We'll catch up with you on our next episode, which will be posted every Friday this term. While PSU has gone remote for the time being, we wanted to let you know that Shaq is still here for you. We are fully committed to the physical and emotional health and wellness of PSU students. Please call ahead to use our health services for flu shots, free COVID testing, or general appointments at 503-725-2800. Counseling services are still available via telehealth and you can schedule your appointments by calling that same number 503-725-2800. If you are looking for more health and wellness resources, you can check out our online health magazine that gets sent to your pdx.edu email every Wednesday, or you can download the Campus Well app. You can also check out the virtual MindSpa experience to rest, relax, and rejuvenate wherever you have internet access. We will be including website links in the episode description. We also have a Google form that you can complete with any questions about health, shack, or anything we discuss in the podcast. You can find the link in the episode description. Thanks for listening and take care. <laughs>